ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Straight down the ground. Catch taken. Brisbane silence the SCG. They bring the heat. A 54-run win in Brisbane heat are the Big Bash winners for the second time. The BBL 13 trophy is heading north to Brisbane. The Heat were the underdogs, they lost players to other tournaments and they were away from home. Did it matter? Obviously not. Now that it's all one and done, we can sit back and have a look at the 13th edition of the Big Bash League as a whole. How was the reduction of matches received? How can the competition negate the loss of stars mid-season? And is the BBL ready for another team? I'm Poppy Penny and this is ABC Sport Daily. Tristan Lavalette is a writer for ESPN's Crick Info and has been covering this BBL season extensively. And Tristan, it was probably a bit of a lacklustre final last night, so probably didn't live up to the lofty heights that this season has kind of delivered as a whole. But Brisbane were victorious over Sydney at a packed SCG. How impressive were the Heat, given they were missing a host of their international stars? Yeah, it was um, really impressive from their heat. They came in underdogs. They had lost the qualifier against the Sixers uh, pretty convincingly, actually, at home on the Gold Coast. So against the Sixers team, who's been a powerhouse of the competition, they were looking for their fourth title and it was their seventh final. The Heat hadn't won a title for 11 years. Um, They were looking for redemption after a heartbreaking loss to the Scorchers last season. Smashed away, the Scorchers are home! So... They'd been motivated all season. They finished top of the regular season. They had a little bit of a bump towards the end of the season after losing a few players, such as Colin Munro and and Sam Billings, who uh, were their imports from overseas, and they went to the UAE competition. So they had to um, sort of remake their batting order late in the season, and Josh Brown was their opener, and he was a guy who really stood up and really seized his opportunities late in the season. He scored an unbelievable century against the Adelaide Strikers. With his ninth six to bring up a most incredible hundred of just 41 balls. The second quickest in the history of this competition. He's done to get them into the final and, and then last night he scored a half century. Gives himself room, smokes it through the covers. That's the shot of the night from Brown. What a 50. To ignite them to a pretty competitive total of 166 batting first on the SCG, which is usually enough. And it was a little bit surprising to see the Sixers actually uh, win the, the bat flip and bowl because usually they bat first at the SCG, get a, a pretty competitive total around that 150, 160 mark. And they're such a good defensive bowling team that they're able to defend that. I think it backfired. So a tremendous victory for the Heat. They're only the, the third team outside the Sixers and the Scorchers to win multiple BBL titles. And it's recognition of they've been able to build a a strong local core of players, of Queensland players. They copied the blueprint of the Sixers and the Scorchers where they've looked within and it's really paid off for them. So they, uh, I think, have been the best team throughout the season. So I think they deserve the title. I want to talk about one player in particular, and that was the player of the match, Spencer Johnson. He ended up with a forfa, and he's been a real find this BBL season. Can you talk to me about his rise to a Big Bash title with the Heat? He had been playing uh, for South Australia for some time, um, but hadn't really developed, hadn't really put it together, had a lot of injuries, as a lot of young fast bowlers do. But last season, he emerged tall, left arm quick. He can bowl 145 k's an hour, exactly the type of 
player Australia sort of national selectors like to see. So coming this season, he was already a guy that people wanted to focus on. He had a superb season. The ledge on that. Johnson is destroying them. He's been the dominant bowler in the competition. He's fast, he's on the spot, and he's knocked over both openers. Part of a very strong heat attack with Michael Nisa and Xavier Bartlett, who's now part of the Australia uh, ODI squad against the West Indies. And Spencer Johnson, yeah, last night, I think, capped a, a really strong season. Four wickets, took a couple of wickets early, and then he bowls very well in the power surge as well. But I think he's someone who you might see play for Australia across the formats. He was actually overlooked for the T20I and ODI squads against the West Indies, but he's certainly the type of player that Australia would love to get into that team, I think, down the track, especially once there's a bit of a transition with the current players, such as Mitchell Stark, who I think Spencer Johnson is basically a certainly a player that would be identified as being able to replace, being a tall left arm quick who can bowl at pace. So, yeah, he was very emotional after the it's match last special. night. We saw a bit more emotion from you tonight than we normally do. What was that about? Uh, I don't know. I guess, as I said before, 12 months ago, I was in this position. Um, and I think the, the Brisbane Heaters have changed my life. So um, it's pretty special. 12 months ago, it looked like he was, uh, I mean, no one really <laughs> knew much about him. And now, one year later, he's a BBL champion. And I think he's on the cusp of a pretty good career in terms of he's got, we'll have opportunities with other probably other T20 leagues and I think you'll see him play international cricket um, fairly regularly for Australia down the track. Seems like a man who's very grateful for the opportunities he's been given. Tristan we've crowned our champion so we can now look back at the season as a whole. It was a shortened competition compared to the last few years. 56 games to 40 regular season matches. I think we've been listening to the fans, we've been listening to the players Primetime nights right in the heart of the summer holidays. What did this do for the BBL this season? I think it's, uh, well, the team's only played 10 matches each compared to 14, so it certainly had much more. Every match seemed to have more stakes, more importance. You didn't see dead rubbers until probably very late in the season. And the season was reduced by a couple of weeks, so it ended, you know, just before the, the school holidays ended last season. It finished early February. Previous seasons been late February, so it was, it was probably stretching a little bit too far. And I think uh, you saw that with crowds. Crowds were really strong. I think there was an increase across the board of around uh, 25%. We saw last night a sellout at the SCG. It, it seemed to really recapture that, I suppose, spirit during its peak years in the middle of last decade, where BBL really came to the fore and every match seemed like an event and and I think that happened this season. Every game felt like an event and they had genuine stakes to it. So it was certainly a good idea to cut the competition and I suppose the question will be, will they cut it even shorter? Despite that shortened season, we still saw a heap of international stars leaving the competition throughout and most notably right before the finals. Is there anything that can be done about that or is this just the way things are now with the amount of T20 cricket around the world? Yeah, it's very difficult because the basically most of the international players left for the ILT20 in the UAE, which despite the BBL basically increasing their salary cap by 50%, this season the ILT20 can still offer more money so players are naturally going to pursue those opportunities so the only way would be to to shorten the season further. Laurie Evans who plays with the Scorchers, um, an Englishman who departed to the ILT20 I mean he was saying that he believed the 
BBL should be cut down to even one month, so two weeks shorter than it currently is. And well, that's a decision for the BBL to make, I think. Personally, I think about six weeks seems to suit, I think. And as you mentioned, I think it is just the nature of the way cricket is going. There's so many leagues bobbing up and I think down the track you'll probably see even more. I think the the key will be to try to get the Australian top players to be playing the BBL. We didn't see many of them play this season. Obviously, the, there's a clash with the, the fixturing next year that there won't be. India are touring next year and I believe the international summer effectively finishes in the first week of January. So the top Australian players should be playing throughout January. And I think if you had those guys playing in the, the BBL finals, I think that would even create a bigger spectacle for the competition. The other thing the league brought in to kind of generate excitement around the Big Bash is the draft. And this is to bring in international stars. The downside now is retention. Each team only gets to retain one of those international stars per season. How does the competition address that? Yeah, that's, it's an interesting one because obviously as a, a fan, you want to have an attachment to players and that really creates that loyalty factor and, and it will interest amongst the competition. So uh, I think the BBL will have to address whether they can try maybe stretch it out and instead of just one retention player, perhaps it can be two or three. We've seen uh, certain teams, obviously they've got multiple star international players and some players become cult figures. I mean, we saw that with Paul Walter at Brisbane Heat. Straight up in the air. It'll be really tough to catch. It's going to come down over the shoulder. Oh, big tall Paul just makes it easily. Never in doubt with the size 15 hands. The big man just loped back and plucked it casually. I've seen that with Laurie Evans at Perth Scorches. And he just smashes it. There was a fielder out there. But Jordan Silk could do nothing to stop one of the most magnificent 50s you've ever seen. He has taken Hayden Kerr for 28 runs in one over. Don't let him leave the country, Laurie Evans. Please don't go. He had an incredible season. He'd be a guy that Scorchers would want to retain. But yeah, I think that every possibility or every way where they can, teams can retain players and really create, I guess, a bit more of an attachment and a bit more of a branding for their fans to follow, I think is really important. The other big talking point is the expansion of the competition itself into the ACT. For example, they've made it clear they would like a team. At a time where the BBL is focusing on quality over quantity, can you see an additional team being added or are we more likely to see another team get plopped into the ACT market? Yeah, I don't think we're quite ready for another team. At, the, at this stage, I think the, the key will be to address some of those, those issues that we've been talking about firstly. But I think Canberra would be a, certainly a suitable place to have a BBL team. Uh, Monica Oval, of course, a very good cricket ground. There has been some talk or, I suppose, speculation that maybe the, the Sydney Thunder could be the team that if could make way if, if Canberra were given a team. The, the Sydney Thunder ground, um, the Sydney Showgrounds, has been criticised for the, the surface. Very uh, slow wickets produced there this season. So, and, and the Sydney Thunder, perhaps they might need a bit, bit of a rebranding. They've struggled throughout uh, the years. The Thunder in a professional game, the Big Bash League, a nine for 14. Perhaps given their location as well, perhaps that would be the obvious team to ha- perhaps move. But I know the cricket uh, ACT is certainly very keen to have a team there. So I wouldn't be surprised if there is a team down the track. I just don't think 
the BBL right now is ready for expansion. I think there's uh, other issues that need to be addressed first. So all of this considered, all of these issues we've talked about, do you think that Cricket Australia will look back on BBL 13 as a success? I think so. I think this is the the year the BBL really rejuvenated and recaptured that heights it had sort of in the middle of last decade when it really came to the fore. So perhaps this is a stepping stone for the, the BBL now to really soar to new heights because I think the competition is probably the future of Australian cricket amongst the, the fears of test cricket. It's obviously unknown of whether test cricket can really endure past a few heavyweight teams like Australia and England and India. So I think the BBL, having a strong BBL competition is really integral for Australian cricket. So this might be the season we look back on as, as really sparking the competition. Tristan Lavalette, thank you so much for your time. Thanks a lot. Have a good day. Headlines. Super Rugby Club, the Melbourne Rebels, have been placed into voluntary administration, according to reports from News Corp publications. Rugby Australia has committed to supporting the club for the 2024 season, but have not made any further commitments, which raises questions about the club's future. We did a whole episode earlier this week about the issues facing Australian rugby in general at the moment. You could find a link to that in the show notes. Tennis and Carlos Alcaraz has been knocked out of the Australian Open overnight. Down the tee, Alcaraz gets a forehand to it, it goes long! And ladies and gentlemen, Alexander Zverev has beaten world number two, Carlos Alcaraz, in three hours and five minutes. Which means we have the men's semi-finals locked in. Novak Djokovic will take on Yannick Sinner, while Daniil Medvedev will take on Alexander Zverev. On the women's side of the draw, Coco Goff takes on Arena Sabalenka and qualifier Diana Yastremska comes up against King Wen Zheng. AFL and Carlton forward Jack Silvani has ruptured his ACL at training today and will miss the 2024 season. The club confirmed that he'll need surgery before starting what is likely to be a long rehab stint. And in the cricket at the Gabba, the West Indies have won the toss and chosen to bat. The Aussies go in unchanged, but the Windies have made one, with Kevin Sinclair coming in for Gudakesh Moti. You can hear every ball of the day-night test live and ad-free on the ABC Listen app. I'm Poppy Penny and this is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Mick Radojkovic. Thanks to Fox Sports for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.